0: everyone and welcome to a Day in the Life podcast brought to you by the University of Leeds Career Service. I'm Leanne and throughout each episode I'll be chatting to employees from a range of industry sectors and backgrounds from craft beer to the civil service. We'll be discovering the ups, the downs and everything in between. Thanks for listening. Welcome to another episode of a Day in the Life podcast. Today I'm joined by two guests from Mackenzie Stewart so, Mackenzie Stewart are a global executive search firm based in Leeds. They are the recruitment partner of choice for clients and candidates in multiple sectors. And we're going to be hearing from their managing consultant, Tom, and their head of talent acquisition, Nick. So, hi guys, welcome. Thank you for taking some time to chat with me today.
1: Pleasure. Pleasure to be here.
0: Mackenzie Stewart's offices are just in town, right? Off Whitehall Road by the river.
2: Yeah, pretty much like a two-minute walk from the station, um, so pretty central.
0: Nice, yeah, they look like really nice offices, very modern and, yeah, right in the city centre there.
2: Yeah, exactly right. We, we got ours done up three years ago or so now, um, so, yeah, keeping up with the times, <laughs> thank God.
0: So before we get into each of your roles and discover... A little bit about the certain areas that each of you look after would you like to introduce yourselves to our listeners
1: yeah absolutely i'll go first so uh, i'm tom uh, and as you said i'm a managing consultant here at mckenzie stewart i'm 26 i'm from leeds originally but i did a four-year modern languages degree at Newcastle University, specializing in French and Spanish. And then after this, because I didn't want to leave, um, I did a a master's in international marketing. So I'd been there five years and, and very much was ready to leave after that and I actually interviewed with Mackenzie Stewart before I did my masters. So I had the job secured a year in advance, which was great because didn't have to worry about that during the masters year. Um, I've been with the company now for just over three years and I've progressed up from consultant to senior consultant, uh, principal consultant and now uh, managing consultant. And in January next year, I'm actually lucky enough to be going off with two other managing consultants here, and we're setting up a subsidiary company. Um, again, Exact search, but focusing mainly on the industries uh, that the three of us work within. So yeah, exciting times.
2: I'm Nick, um, again, 26 as well. So I'm from London originally, and I went to, to Leeds University. I read sport and exercise science and physiology and yeah i've I've I fell in love with the city and never really left. I went to university wanting to be a physio at the end of it um after sort of education um realizing that I'd have to do probably another two to three years in education and being poor, um <laughs> I <laughs> decided to change my prospects and, and play to my strengths as such and and see where I could get into the business world and, and potentially not be a poor student anymore. so to <laughs> so my role now, I joined in 2016. Again, I got my job in, in December of 2015, so I had pretty good security in my sort of final couple of semesters um, at uni. Um, I actually came across Mackenzie Stewart by going to a graduate fair, and those are the times where we could actually go in person. <laughs> but yeah, like I went to the graduate fair, I saw Mackenzie Stewart, I did some more research into the industry, and then I phoned up um, and basically said, look, I want to apply to the graduate scheme. Went through the process, and, and I got the job that way. So... Yeah, my, my role now, again, promoted that I have done the job of, of consultant, went well, we away senior consultant, principal managing consultant as well. I've now taken a slight sort of different role internally to, to Tom's. I focus across the, the whole of McKenzie Stewart Group, which is across about 150 plus people, eight companies, 10 offices across the UK. Um, and now we've opened one up in Dubai as well. So basically, in short, my role is to hire and train The next best headhunters for our business. So I'll be working very closely with Tom next year into growing his business and finding the top talent for for him moving forward as well.
0: Wow. So there's loads of career development there for each of you. And um, really exciting news about your venture, Tom. That is amazing. And, you know, as someone who has been involved with organising the careers fairs at our university, it's really nice to hear that attending one had such an impact on your career, Nick. So, yeah, for anyone listening, do go to these fairs, whether it's virtual or in person, you never know who you might speak to. So Tom, you studied modern languages, followed by a master's degree in marketing. And Nick, you studied sport and exercise science. And you both now have successful careers within an executive search firm. And you know, there might be some listeners who may not know what they want to do with their degree or might not realise where their qualifications can lead. So can each of you give us a, a walkthrough of how you got to where you are now? Did it matter that you didn't come from a business background
1: initially? Absolutely. Um, most important thing to say about Exact search is it absolutely does not matter what your background is educationally. There are people here who've been to all kinds of different universities and done all kinds of different degrees. Some have masters, some don't. It doesn't matter at all. Um, you know, as you said, I did French and Spanish. My science knowledge is appalling, <laughs> but I actually work within the pharmaceutical industry and I'm doing quite well in that. And it's just one of those things you pick stuff up as you go along and you absolutely don't need to come in with prior knowledge in the sector that you're going to work in. And, you know, I think there are a lot of degrees, I say a lot of degrees, certain degrees, you know, lead to a career, don't they? Medicine obviously being the most obvious. I'd say a lot of degrees do not lead to um, an obvious career choice, Mm. certainly not for me. So I think recruitment's a great option for people, but I don't think enough people want to do it. It's one of those things people seem to fall into. Um, but once you've fallen into it, um, you know, you realize the potential and that's why, you know, a lot of us stay in it and it really does become a, a career to be honest.
2: Yeah, I, I can pretty much echo what, what Tom has just said there. I, I did a sports science and physiology degree. Um, and then when I first joined, I got put into the automation sector, which is basically high-end engineering, dealing with robotics, which I had no idea about. Mm-hmm. Really, really interesting, <laughs> Leanne, but, but yeah, it's it's something I had no idea about. And how we know about this and how we learn about it is by speaking with people. This is a job at the end of the day. It doesn't matter what background you come from. If you have a personality, if you are personable and can speak to people um, and get on with people and form you know lasting relationships – that is all that matters. It's irrelevant of where you come from or what degree you've done and what university you come from, which I think opens up loads and loads of different sort of avenues for, for people who might be a little bit confused about what they want to do or maybe they feel pressured going down into a certain industry. Mm-hmm. But I think this definitely opens up a lot of doors and develop your skills probably unlike any other any other graduate role I can think of, really.
0: Yeah, it's amazing that you've got so much opportunity to learn from industry professionals a whole new field. I think that's quite unique to the recruitment centre. It's definitely a a huge benefit. And a key theme I'm getting there from each of you is that, you know, if you're personable and if you like to build long-lasting working relationships, then you'll do quite well in this role. And as this is a Day in the Life podcast and... I know each of you have very different roles. Tom as a managing consultant and Nick as talent acquisition. Can we get a snapshot of a typical day for each of you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We'll go right from the beginning. So I live in the city centre. I live about 15 minutes or so from the office in Leeds Dock. Um, So I walk to work unless it's raining, and then I get the taxi. So, no, I, I walk to work most of the time and get in here for, I'd say, just before eight o'clock. When you start it slightly earlier, it's half past seven, um, but, you know, as you progress, you get more benefits, and and, and that is slightly shorter hours. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so get in for just before eight, um, and then... I guess the first hour of the day is really answering emails that might have come in overnight. You know, we work globally. So uh, a lot of the stuff I do personally is New Jersey, New York, California. Um, California, are eight hours behind. So a lot of important stuff could come in while I'm asleep. So dealing with that um, and then catching up with my team, debrief on the previous day's activities, successes, issues, whatever it might be. Following this from about nine o'clock till 12, it's what we call PBT or prime business time. It's the main part of the day for business development, for client meetings with people or you know businesses that are based in uh, well Asia uh, and Europe. In the afternoon, there is a, a second PBT session that is uh, two till five. And that is for North America and South America, again, because of the time difference. So these are the you know the two main parts of the day where we get most of the most important work done. Outside of those times, you know it's speaking to candidates, helping the team with any issues, and preparing for the next day. And you know I leave the office from six o'clock, um, but quite often, I mean last night we were here till sort of eight, half eight. Um, company paid for us all to have whatever delivery we wanted. So you know I think will become clear as we move on. The hours here are quite long. We do work hard, but there's reasons for that. We get a heck of a lot of benefits from it. To put it plainly and simply, it, it's a sales role, and the idea is to make commission. Um, so the more work you do, the more commission you'll make. So yeah, that's my day. Um, Nick?
2: Yeah, so I, I pretty much did the exact same role as Tom for, for five years. I got asked to take a slightly different role. So now I head up the talent team which is basically learning development side for across the group of, of companies we mentioned so over 150 people and um, so my job is to keep growing finding the best graduates that is sort of our business model as such we only hire grads we only promote from within and um, we have grown organically from 2005 with that business model which I think is quite unique uh, and it's really successful actually. But my role is to, to find the best graduates for our businesses. I basically pick, depending on personality, where I think you'd be the best fit, because I have basically worked with these different directors of companies throughout my time. So I know them pretty well and on a personal level, so I can see where different people could add value to different companies. And then my job is to train everyone. So everyone who comes into a business, I am responsible for training them on how to do this job, um, setting up training programs, etc., a bit more face-to-face work with, with the grad stuff, and, and I do a bit of classroom work as well.
0: Nice, yeah. So, even though your roles are very different, there is a common ground there of working with people and um, putting the work in to see the rewards, and we'll get to those rewards a little bit later because I know they are amazing. Um, but, what are some of the best parts of the job for you? Have you got any particular areas that you really
1: love doing? For me, my favorite part is, is client management. Um, so, I guess I've earned it, but I'm lucky enough to have three or four very good clients who I get quite a lot of repeat business from, and you know, I've proved myself to these companies over the first sort of few roles that I worked on for them, and I now get to work you know, with some pretty pretty interesting people. To be honest, pretty high up or high level. Uh, people within these companies, you know, it could be regional directors, it could be global heads of a business unit, vice presidents, CEOs. Um, you know, these people are, they're really interesting. <laughs> and I guess you could say influencing world health, and um, to be honest, that, that is their job. So yeah, I find that part, um, despite not having a scientific background, as we've <laughs> said, and um, that's my favorite part. Aside from the work itself, I'd say the culture is second to none here. As we've said, long hours. The work is hard, you know, it can be sometimes demoralizing, um, but we all do it for that reward. Um, We get treated to many days out, Every four weeks, every fourth Friday, if we've hit our target, it's a big day out. Breakfast, lunch, activities, all fully paid. You know, free bar, whatever. There are events for the top performers. We've been to Ibiza. We've been skiing, and all this is in addition to a really, really lucrative commission scheme. Um, And then you know, the office itself is is just a great laugh, to be honest. Yeah, I think. On, on top of that, I, I think Tom has, has sold
2: it pretty well. You can tell he's a salesman. Um, but, <laughs> but I think for me personally, in, in this role, I am constantly speaking to different people from different backgrounds, from different cultures, um, from different experiences, different universities. Um, this job is, is so fast paced, it is forever changing. No two days are the same. The process of recruitment is the same. However, the people, the cultures, the companies that you're dealing with are different. And and basically, we get to form relationships. You know, you're not best mates or anything like that, but people do rely on you. People will say, can you please help us with this? We need your help. Mm-hmm. And at 22, 23 years old, having that responsibility of maybe a 50-year-old executive who is desperate for employment and you are genuinely their, their lifeline is is quite it's is quite a nice feeling in terms of you can actually help people and be rewarded directly for that as tom said through the incentives so yeah it's super interesting every day is different it's a fast-paced environment fiercely competitive um but in a good way but yeah i think that is some of the best parts of the role in addition to what Tom said.
0: It's really nice to hear you both speak so passionately about the actual work itself and not necessarily just the benefits. Yeah you clearly really love working there and you really enjoy the work that you do so it definitely helps to be able to speak to people which makes sense as you're both in recruitment you know there are the clients and the candidates and new members of the business to engage with. Would you say this is a skill that candidates would need to demonstrate when applying for A role at Mackenzie Stewart.
2: Yeah. However, no prior experience is needed. It's more about personality, how they come across, how they hold themselves, emotional intelligence. These soft skills are just as important as how good an A level or grade you got, or how good a degree you got. Everything matters in this role. Personality, especially in this line of work. Holds its weight.
0: I'm sure any prospective candidates will find that really useful to know. I think it can be quite easy to let the nerves take over in an interview. It's just a good reminder that personality is key and that many employers just want to get a sense of who you are. And are there any areas of your jobs that you find difficult or less enjoyable?
1: I'd say the job is difficult at first. Um, Once you get the hang of it, it's not hard. The reason not everyone succeeds or the reason that not everyone likes it is because it it can be tough, not necessarily difficult, but it's, you know, you have to persevere. Um, so for me, I have a few really good clients who who will come to me with with work, which is you know the best way forward for me. The bit I don't like is when things dry up a little bit, as in any sales role, and you have to go and really, you know, the business development aspects of going out and finding the work. Um, whether that's me being lazy, quite highly <laughs> likely, highly likely in fact. But uh, yeah, there are always periods of time when you need to step up your business development, and it's just a lot of legwork. And you get a fair amount of rejection. It's not a case where you, you know, say you approach 10, 20 companies uh, with a great candidate and they all say, oh, yeah, wonderful. It's normally you approach 30, 40 companies 10 times and they all say they're not interested. But then, mm-hmm. you know, eventually you'll get a break and it's taking advantage of that of that break and it can be that one bit of luck or right place right time or that extra bit of work you did which can literally translate into thousands and thousands of pounds earning commission so that's my least favorite part but it's a, it's a how would we say it, a necessary evil yeah we're in sales
2: and any sales job you get knocked back you have to be resilient there'll be times when deals do drop out at last minute and it's, it's heartbreaking um, however In us, this is my opinion, it's not backed up by anything, but I think this is probably the hardest sales job out there, just because we're selling people. Um, Dehumanize it for me, Leanne, but (laughs) essentially, we are selling people. Every person is a product. Um, The better your product, the more likely it's to sell. However, these products have free will and human rights to do whatever they want, whenever they want. Mm -hmm. Um, So essentially, they could sign on the dotted line and resign from their current company, say they're going to join uh, the role that we've got them, and then until they've actually joined that role and walked through the door, you know, they can turn around and say, no, I'm not doing it, which, of course, would affect our commission and our, our sales. And it is a little bit unpredictable. People are unpredictable. We are slightly irrational at times, too. So, in my opinion, that's why I think it's probably one of the hardest jobs, but also some of the most rewarding as we've also mentioned so it's important to understand that when going in don't just stick your head in the sand when things do go wrong because things will go wrong it's inevitable it's not a matter of if it's when Um, you take the good with the bad Because, unfortunately, that's that sort of life, isn't it?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think rejection and setbacks are something that everyone will unfortunately have to experience at some time or another. And I think rejection is something that is quite heavily associated with the job application process, you know, being rejected for the job itself. but. It's so true, um, you do have to learn how to cope with failure when, when you have a job. It, it doesn't necessarily end once you get hired, but there's always something to learn from it. And would you say that learning how to handle those setbacks became easier the more each of you experienced it?
1: W- without doubt, you know, <laughs> having a candidate say all the right things, sign in all the right places, and then for whatever reason, perhaps they received a counteroffer or, or whatever, when you begin the job, <laughs> That is crushing um, it's not nice you know for me today if it happens um, but you do learn the highs and the lows become slightly less extreme and mm-hmm. uh, when you learn how to manage the, the buzz and then manage the dip it does get a lot easier so yeah I think it's really important for whatever you do to be able to, to manage the highs and lows but here if you don't know already you will certainly get the opportunity to, to learn. <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah, it's so true. Especially when it's a new job, it feels like a huge deal when something goes wrong. And I suppose the more it happens, the more failures you experience, the better you become at handling it. But going back to what you were saying, Nick, um, it must be incredibly frustrating to have no control of a client's actions. And it sounds like you've both learned the hard way of how it feels when something doesn't quite go your way but I'm sure it's made you both very resilient as a result so we've discussed the ups and the downs and you've given us a nice overview there of each of your roles do you think there are any misconceptions about working for Mackenzie Stewart or maybe the recruitment industry in general?
1: Yeah there definitely are Um, I think the culture is the most common misconception um I can't personally comment on recruitment or Mackenzie Stewart 10, 15 years ago. Obviously, I wasn't here. Um, but, you know, I think it's fair to say it was a more traditional or old fashioned sales environment, um, which doesn't really have a place in 2021. Um, and I think the industry probably got a reputation that maybe it deserved um but it's not the same anymore it really really isn't i wouldn't be here if it was how it was 10 15 years ago that that kind of environment wouldn't suit me but it's a great place to work now um the atmosphere in the office is brilliant it's inclusive you know the directors listen to suggestions or any issues how we might want to make it better we've brought in a Work from home one day a week as well, which back in the day would uh, would have literally been laughed out the door. <laughs> yeah, that would never
2: have happened uh,
1: yeah. when I first joined. No, <laughs> that's for sure. So it's um yeah, the, it, it's the culture. So you will always find someone who will tell you that they, you know, one of their friends or a friend of a friend or you know whatever someone's cousin has worked in recruitment and it's horrendous. Perhaps it once was. Um, maybe at some places it still is, but but it's not here. Um, and, and when I hear people criticise the culture. That frustrates me a bit because uh, it's unfair uh, and people need to understand that it, it, is, it is brilliant now. Yeah, I think
2: from a different perspective, so that's more about sort of the culture and, and how people are treated. Mine's probably more about the misconception that obviously in a sales job you have targets. Um, now, if you don't need your targets, you're just going to be fired, which I think is sort of like old school sales, you know, door-to-door salespeople, commission-only roles. If you don't hit your targets, you'd you try to lose your job. Um, mm-hmm. Now, our ethos on this is, look, if, if you come through our interview process, which is which is rigorous, we would hire you if we know you'll be good at the job. And as Tom mentioned earlier, people do have to stick it out a bit. Um, now, if people are putting in effort, and we can see the effort that they're putting in, whatever it may be, then if they're not hitting target for whatever reason, through the, the learning and development team that we have and, and I'm heading up, it, it's... It's how can we develop these people to be better? It's not a such of a, here's your training schedule. Now, you're off on your own, um, and then you're struggling, and then you have no support network. That, that's not it. We have multiple different avenues of support where if you want training on a specific business unit or module, then we will help you build that up and hopefully make you money and make you well. So ultimately, the better you do, the better we do. So it's in our best interest. I think here at McKenzie, we, we offer continuous support. I remember being about a year and a half into the job, and there's an aspect of the role that I was struggling with. Um, so I put my hand up and sort of said, look, can I have some training? Bit a bit embarrassed to begin with, and they were like, no, not a, not a problem at all. Of course you can, don't be embarrassed. Um, we want you to develop, because if you're not learning, then you're regressing in our eyes so we always want to find new ways of how we can be more efficient and do things better
0: it's really nice to hear from each of you that it's a very supportive workplace and you know the cutthroat working environment is a thing of the past now i can imagine it would have been a very stressed out office if people's jobs were constantly on the line over sales targets but I love that you could be honest with your employer, Nick, and say that you were struggling in a certain area. It's it's not always easy to have to admit that, but people put pressure on themselves to be amazing in all areas of their role. And it's it's just not realistic. You know, expressing a need for training in a certain field is just evidence that you want to learn and, and develop. And as you experience, Nick, if an employer is invested in your development, then there should be sufficient training and support in place there. But, yeah, perhaps the hardest part is just asking for it. So, yeah, good on you for being honest there. That's quite inspiring.
1: I think it actually just remembered as well. <laughs> we should mention it since it just happened. Uh, it was Global a World Mental Health Day, wasn't it? Yeah, on Sunday. Uh, the company um, they, they gave us all the day off on Monday um, just as a kind of, you know, take a break and recuperate. The, the deal was you have to do something <laughs> positive for your mental health, so not go, uh, was go not go out necessarily. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and yes, so we went to play golf. Um, yep. People went running, people went for a walk. I think a few people went to the spa, uh, which was probably the, the best yeah. choice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: the, the way we played golf, yeah, it was probably not, not as positive, <laughs> um, but it was uh, at one of nature, which, which was nice.
0: So. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's really great to hear that employers are investing time and money in the well-being of their staff and the benefits at Mackenzie Stewart sound incredible, but it just makes an employer stand out to potential candidates and gives a sense of a really positive working environment. Has working at Mackenzie Stewart or maybe working in the recruitment industry in general taught you anything surprising about yourselves?
2: Yes, yeah, so I think when I first joined, I think the most amount of work experience I had, well, the working I did during university was working on site. I was a labourer and that is... <laughs> Uh, pretty much all I've done, I, I did a bit of sort of you know, the classic ticket sales for nightclubs and stuff like that. So I've never been in a business professional environment. before. being in an office was was pretty strange to me. But yeah, I, I, what I what I was pretty surprised about myself is how quickly I adjusted to speaking with industry leaders and CEOs of global companies, and mm-hmm. and how much of a buzz I got from it. Like speaking to these these people who have created robotics and have created and come up with these ideas and rolled them out on a global scale and you were directly assisting them is super interesting. And, and how quickly I accustomed to, to speak with all levels of, of seniority coming from a building site was probably the biggest shock. And, <laughs> and actually being able to influence these people. Um, you know, we don't have direct you know, responsibility for them, but part of our job is persuasion, part of our job is influence. Um, not manipulation, I think that can be misconstrued sometimes, but being able to sort of influence and and, and sell them on the benefits and and the facts is super interesting. So that's probably what I'm I'm
1: most surprised about. I'll be very honest, I looked at this job as a stepping stone. (laughs) I never thought I'd still be here three years later. I wanted to have a job when I left uni, naturally, as we all do, um, but probably saw myself heading in a more traditional grad scheme direction. I, I not entirely sure, but it quickly became apparent that it wasn't just a job and it was a career. Um, and like we said, in January, get the opportunity to be a director and set up this company, which is just, like, I never saw it coming. Um, so, yeah, that, that that surprised me. And, and, and I also, I guess I surprised myself. Um, yes, I thought I would have quit at uh, the <laughs> beginning, <laughs> to be honest, because... It was a bit tough at times, but I'm so, so grateful that I didn't. And uh, my boss, she talked me down one day when I was having a particularly bad day and thought, maybe I'll just uh, can it all. But uh, yeah, that's the the biggest surprise uh, for me.
0: There were some really nice sentiments there, you know, the realisation of the bigger picture and the wider context of your role, Tom. And for you, Nick, I suppose you discovered the positive result of entering an unknown working environment. Um, But yeah, I'm really glad to hear that it it worked out really well for both of you. And each of you discovered the buzz and confidence around being able to speak to people who might have seemed intimidating at first. Yeah. So, final question, and it's a question that I like to ask all of the guests on this podcast. As each of you have acquired so many skills and you've you've had a lot of experience in this particular field. Um is there anything you wish you would have known before you started this career that you'd like to share with listeners?
1: For me, I think it's really important people know that it can take a little while to find your feet. You know, some people, we call it like get your first score, some people score in Two, three months. Um, we've seen it in a couple of weeks uh, on occasions, but it can take some of the most talented people we've ever had here six, seven, eight, you know, even a year in some occasions, months, <laughs> yeah. that, you know, before you, um, before you even get that first score. And I think the culture has changed and now you do get a lot more time. And I think it's important people understand that and don't throw the towel in because too many people, we've seen so many people um, give up. Uh, And had they just stuck it out a little longer, you know, it it can be quite, it it can be this simple. You can leave um, and then the day after you leave, someone will have sent you an email, um, which obviously that person will never see, but their manager will pick it up. And that email uh, could quite possibly be, oh, you sent us a candidate a few weeks ago, we'd love to hire this person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That person's (laughs) earning $200,000. The fee's massive and that person has literally just walked away from, I don't know, six, seven thousand pounds commission that they could have, uh, uh, could yeah. have had in their, in, in their bank. So people just need to know just to stick it out.
2: Yeah, I, I can probably count on, on a couple of hands how many times that's actually happened, which is, which is quite wounding thinking about it. It must be near a hundred thousand pounds of commission that have maybe not been paid to these people accumulatively. <laughs> Um, from what I can remember. But yeah. It's a lot of money for, for someone such a young age. Yeah. Um, that you'd be missing out on.
0: So g- give it time. Don't panic during the difficult moments. It's probably easier said than done, isn't it? But yeah, stick with it. Um, hopefully somebody listening will have that insight now and they'll know that it is normal for things to just level out and it actually takes time to see the benefits of hard work and perseverance. And I think there's always a sense of urgency, isn't there? Just to want to prove yourself and hit the ground running especially in a new job but it's nice to hear that workplaces such as yours are more accommodating and patient and you know they're making sure that it's a happy workplace rather than focusing on the money.
2: Yeah I think it's imperative these days to to do that. I was in a quite a lucky situation so my one of my siblings did recruitment in London um, when I was at university so I managed to get quite a good insight mm-hmm. <laughs> into what the role was to you know, to include. I, I was quite well prepared in that sense. And I did you know, a extensive of research throughout the interview process as well. We, we are very honest about what this role takes. It takes a very special person to want to do this position. It takes a very special person to be good at this position as well. However, we will give the time, effort and resources to someone who wants to make that happen. So yeah, throughout the process, stick it out. Really immerse yourself. In a business to begin with and not in terms of the fact of burning yourself out or anything like that, but just just really concentrate, work hard. Um, I can probably now hold my hands up in the first six months when I first joined in a new office environment that I've never been in. I probably was getting distracted a little bit too much <laughs> by things that I probably shouldn't have and um, probably kept my head down a bit quicker or a bit longer, I should say, but yeah, it all works out.
0: the in the end oh great yeah it's great nick that you had a sibling in the industry that you could talk to about it um but i suppose for anyone that doesn't there's still loads of research you can do online you can connect with people on linkedin um, and actually, on that note, if anyone did want to get in touch with either of you, you know, to know more about Mackenzie Stewart or any of the opportunities that are going, um, is it possible to connect with you there?
2: One hundred percent. You can email me as well if you want to, you know, put an application forward, um, at Nick. Dr. weavers at mckenzie com. oh
0: brilliant thank you i'll include those details in the written summary of today's episode but tom and nick thank you so much for sharing your stories and insights today it's been really great chatting with you and tom best of luck with your new business venture maybe we'll interview you again in the future and see how it's going thank you. Yeah.
1: yeah thank you very much it's been great
0: hope you enjoyed today's episode join me next week where i'll be finding out what it's like to work in fashion merchandising with my guest chloe greaves from n brown group it's the buzz of retail like you get addicted to the buzz of it and the thrill of it and when you predict that best-selling style or your teams working really really well it's just such a good feeling if you haven't already do check out our other episodes i'll include a link to all of them in today's summary thanks for listening everyone and see you next week